doing these podcasts and um i made a list of the people that i wanted to uh talk to and i guess interview but i don't really see it as an interview you were the first name on the list oh that's so nice we don't have we have one of the weirdest histories yeah when you actually think back to how long we've known each other (laughs) we got off on such a bad foot yeah um We've had loads of arguments. We've ha- have we not? I think our first conversation was an argument. Yep, for definite. We'll get to that later on. So there's, there's, I kind of think we should approach this kind of chronologically and just start from when you started modelling, and we'll just pick it apart. But I'm oh the God. most, I'm the most non-linear person, so we'll do our best. Fine. So when did you actually start modelling? I wish I could tell you the year, but I can't remember the year. Um, I think it was about... I'm sure it was like 2012, 2013, because you were right around the same time as me. Yeah. Um, I, I started 2013. So. 21, I think. Um, and I'm 27 now. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, quite a while ago. So what got you What got you in? Like, did, was it something you were looking to get into or did it kind of something happen? It uh, it was a really weird time, actually. Um, I was living with my boyfriend at the time um, and his parents and his mum told me that I should try and give it a go. Um, well, just in weird. general. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> literally, she was just like, why don't you just see if like, you could get into modelling? And I was like, no, nah, don't be stupid. And then I kind of sat and thought about it and I was like, Eh, why not give it a shot, see what happens, you know, right. it doesn't hurt anyone. Um, so I, I did, um, I managed to get kind of a few test shoots and stuff. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fun and I started to really enjoy it. And then I, I guess it kind of just momentumed from there. Well, so. you, went, you went nuts quick. Cause I remember seeing the first few images of you go up online Hmm. like when you first when you were first starting I was just starting yeah and it seemed like you really hit the ground running so what your first do you remember your first shoot yeah was it good (laughs) no um it was um I mean I guess it's just kind of like your basic shoot it was on a white backdrop like pretty boring lighting you bring a load of outfits with you I bought my best friend with me as well because I was a bit scared didn't know what the hell was going on um all the photos are terrible I look nervous as hell I don't know what the hell I'm doing um but I mean it had it had its kind of I guess what's the word like value um because it you know, it meant that people could actually see some kind of professional shots, like headshots, body shots, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you kind of pick up additional work through that because you can start being a bit more creative and do stuff that's not just on a white backdrop, I suppose. But it, A yeah. black background, <sighs> a grey background. It was literally just a white one. I didn't even get you different colours. you got to expand Didn't artists. get any colours. just got one. And I think it was like three outfits and... Oh, I but just, when you came away from the first shoot, though, did you feel like that was something you wanted to do? Did, yeah. Was the end of that shoot, were you like, actually, you know, that was a lot of fun? Oh, my God, yeah. I was like, it was such an adrenaline rush. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, and I think at the time I really liked the photos and I thought they were really good. It's always the way, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I was like, wow, maybe this is something I could do. So yes, yeah, exactly what I did. You know, I set up a purple port. I put those pictures up um, and looked at kind of other people in the area and saw what they were doing. And um, if there was anyone else I could do a shoot with and that kind of stuff. Because I think my next shoot was around Reading Town Centre. Um, the glamorous lifestyle yeah. of... Um, Jealous. <laughs> But then obviously that takes you from out of studio to like outside. Yeah. So it gives you kind of a, a different perspective. But Well, I guess as well in terms of like nerve, because in a studio it's like a it's like a clinical setting. Yeah. But when exactly. you're like first time modeling outside of a studio when there's other people about, is that terrifying? Yeah. And I was still taking people with me because I was so nervous. I think I took my, my boyfriend at the time with me on that one because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But like, yeah, people stare at you, people heckle. And I really wasn't expecting that kind of when I first thought about doing it. So There's usually like a guy that says something like, oh, darling, <laughs> yeah. as if you're going to go, oh, thanks. Oh, my God. He likes me. <laughs> yeah. That disgusting, poorly washed person likes me. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that happened a lot. Um, and yeah, it was it was still really scary. The pictures were still awful. Um, but you were you you're really fashionable now, and you all the time I've known you've been very fashionable. Like you're you're always really well dressed, and thanks. you have really good sense, nice fringe. Thanks. <laughs> Wish it was blonde, but that's fine. Um, we'll we'll get to that later. Um, but were you were you kind of fashion focused before you were into modelling? Did you have like an idea of the kind of styles that you wanted to go after? No, to be completely no. honest, like literally not a clue. I went in blind, basically, like not a clue what was going to happen, not a clue what I wanted to do. And I just kind of rolled with rolled with what happened. Um, I was quite lucky as well because I had a friend who lived in the same village as me, I think she really helped with kind of that snowball thing that you were talking about. Um, so, for example, like one day it snowed um, and we went out and shot in the snow in the woods. Um, and I think that was I think that was one of kind of the most popular pictures I did at the beginning. I think I can even remember the picture. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that really helped because... I mean, I didn't really have to do much as such from like a modelling perspective. Right. But you could still get kind of like a, a really nice picture. Um, and I think I think that helped kind of take it from that, you know, kind of a, the more static kind of studio images, the awkward stuff outdoors, and then you kind of move it along a bit to something a bit more kind of, I guess, conceptual, if you want to call it that, a bit more stylized. Um I love that you've used that word. So actually, let's go on a tangent. <laughs> let's go on a tangent. So you did a lot of stuff that was like fine art, conceptual, yeah. after a couple of years, I'm talking. Yeah. Um, you seem to have found a niche there. Yeah. Was that something that you, like, A, enjoyed doing, but did, did it feel like that elevated your sort of status a little bit? Um, I think it helped. Um, but that's kind of, yeah, as you said, it took me a while to get there because I kind of worked out what I wanted to do more at that point. Um, I, I guess... I know you were saying about fashion earlier. I think it's more like a creative thing, quite a creative person. Um, and I think that's kind of where that came out a little bit more. So it was more stuff that I do off my own back rather than, you know, people being like, oh, I'll pay you to do this kind of thing. It was more like, I want to do this. I want to do it with this photographer and this kind of style. Like, 
and, you know, I just chuck some ideas out and see what people think. Right. Um, sometimes it was like, and I'm pretty sure I did it to you and you were like, no. Um, and then some people were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, and we do it. So I think it helped. I think it helps kind of make you a bit different to other people, yeah. which I think I hate that it's status, but yeah, I guess kind of, I was a bit more popular because I did something a bit different to everyone else. Yeah. Um, well, at the end of the day, it's not so much um, like how a lot of people sort of the metric for uh, success now is just like likes and follows and yeah. loads, loads of bollocks. It's really yeah. not actually relevant to life, but yeah. um, you have to be popular for people to see you, for you to then move on to bigger jobs. So yeah. I don't think it was a bad thing that you were, you had a higher status. I mean, I remember um, when I approached you, I was terrified of you. <laughs> I honestly was absolutely terrified of you. To be honest with you, I would say, and this is really going to offend a few people, but I think you were the first real model that I approached. Oh. I know I've just annoyed oh. a couple of people. <laughs> I, I do. I genuinely think you were the, I, th I think while we're here, let's just talk about our first interaction with oh each other. Gosh. So I'm going to tell my side of it <laughs> and then you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm right. So as I remember it, I approached to work with you and I think we'd set like a, a potential idea, no date, but a potential idea and whatever the, the, the situation was between us, how it was going to work out. And then I had a habit at the time of posting stuff in uh, the forum on the site that we were using hmm. and asking questions that I probably shouldn't have asked or making statements I shouldn't have made. Half the time it was to amuse myself and the other half of the time it was I didn't realise that tact was needed with this industry as much as what it is. <laughs> and I actually remember exactly what I think was the thing that caused our first argument. Now, I'll explain my side of this very carefully. <laughs> I'm, I made a post asking, basically, why is it that if you're really ugly and you want to be a model, you just have to go and get a load of tattoos and call yourself an alt model? <laughs> That was my post. Uh, are we so far in agreement? I I actually couldn't remember it, but now this this is coming back to me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my post. And I remember, I think it was like within a few hours, I had a message off of you that was like saying I was talking about you. Yeah. And I wasn't. And I shit myself. <laughs> I legitimately thought that you were talking about me. No, not at all. I was... <laughs> No, not not even remotely, but I shit myself thinking, oh no, I've fucked up this shoot. We were supposed to shoot together and I've ruined it. But I wasn't talking at all in any way about you because you have, I think like three tattoos, I think. Four. Four. Close. Oh, that's close, considering Very it's close. been a few years. Yeah. Um, but I was, it would be kind of weird for me to approach to want to work with you and then shit post you on a forum. But then there are people out there. Exactly. So fair enough. Um, no, I was referring more to the people that have less um, going on. <laughs> and then they get loads of tattoos and they kind of, the tattoos fill in all the blanks of having any personality or any looks. <laughs> <laughs> they're like stickers basically you know what I mean yeah I think some people use tattoos like stickers and that's all I was asking was why is it that like the threshold of raw talent necessary to be a model goes down if they have tattoos that's yeah. kind of the point I was making but I was making it in an incredibly 
bad way. So that put off our shoot for a few months, I think. Yeah. While we argued back and forth. Yeah. Which was, do you know what I have to say? One of my favourite things about you is you're one of the only people I would say is a really worthy adversary for a good online argument. <laughs> We've had some good online arguments and you are really good at it. I mean... High praise. Thanks. I mean, yeah, I'm, I guess if if I've got an opinion, I'm, I'm quite forward with it. So um, I'll have an argument to your face as well. It's fine. It oh yeah, we've done be, that. We've done that too. It doesn't have to be over the computer. And okay, so... There's probably going to be, so we, we haven't seen each other for, I think, two and a half, maybe three years. Must be about three. About yeah. three years, which is crazy because I don't I feel like I've even been doing this for three years. So <laughs> anyway, but what's going to keep happening as we talk about stuff, I think we're just going to remember different stuff that we've actually done Oh my God. As we've known each other. And, yeah. And you said about throwing like conceptual ideas out and seeing what happens. Well, we did that. I don't know if you remember this, but you came down the coast when I was living down Little Hampton. Yeah. And uh, the plan was like a mermaid type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if I remember rightly, you, you had dresses that were supposed to come and they didn't arrive. Yeah. So we went out and I bought like a 200, whatever it was, like 150, 200 pound evening gown for us to go down the beach with. Yep. We did that shoot. Now, the only thing I can remember really vividly about this shoot was being incredibly hungry on the way to go and shoot after we bought the dress and shouting at a school kid (laughs) out of the car because I was so hungry. I was like, hangry? (laughs) I can't even remember what you shouted at him now. (laughs) I can't go into what it is. I know what I shouted about, but I probably will get shut down (laughs) if I say what I was actually annoyed about. I know. I remember. Uh, please you doing don't try that. and remember, because then you'll say it out loud and I'll get in trouble. But I remember sitting in the back of the car. You were sat in the front. I'm almost positive you were sat in the in the front. I was in the back. I remember you being very hangry. And Jamila had to drive us to Greg's so that I would eat something yeah. so that I would calm down yeah. because I was so pissy and moany. Yeah. And then I we did the shoot that. and it was fine. It was not, obviously I was nowhere near my forte and I was a bit crap, but we did the shoot and I didn't kill anyone. So that was a bonus. <laughs> I think I got heckled quite a lot on that one as well. Yeah. we were on the Little Hampton coastline, weren't we? Yeah. Like, we were like West Beach and yeah. Yeah. A lot it was, of people was, shouting at us. I was really out of my depth on that. I was really out of my depth. Like I, I had no right to be doing that photo shoot at all. I did that was not know literally what... my fault though. See, this is what I mean. I just chuck ideas at people and if they go, yeah, I'll be like, great, let's do it. <laughs> and then I have to go out and buy an expensive dress. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh my God, I remember that because you were like, don't ruin it. Don't get anything on it. I've got to return it. Like, I actually sold it on. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think they were. I think you had. I think you got in an argument at the shop because you were like, "I want to return this." I'm literally just using it for a shoot, and they were like, "I think afterwards, yeah, we went to return it, and they weren't having it, and I weren't. I wasn't having that they weren't having it, mm-hmm. and in the end, they didn't have it, so they won. Yeah, but I sold the dress on for pretty good money. So talk to your stalker, <laughs> no. Um, so, so in those early stages, the first couple of years, how long, how long did you actually model for total? I think it was three years. Is that all? Yeah. Christ. Okay. So in that first year, so that'd be the early, the early part and then you've got the middle part and then you've got the end part. In the, in the first year, who was, who were the people that you worked with that you felt like really, no, you can't remember anyone. Do you remember, do you remember modeling? I do remember modeling. Um, I can't remember specific names though. Um, I think you were quite early on, though. 
Yeah, um, but I didn't elevate you at all. Like I, I think you did. I don't think so. I think you did. I just I just do. Yeah, but you did. People the... floating around in the field stuff. At yeah, that point, so. but I think that was good. Some really strong headshots and stuff. This is the most in insincere eye contact I've ever had oh in my, my life. Oh my god! No, it's not. But um, you, you worked with like Jake Hicks. Was that? Like, I must have been in your first year because that was really early on. You were blonde. I was blonde. Um, must have. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was the first year, but it was still quite. It early was the on. early stages. We'll call the blonde era your early stages. The best era. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a fun shoot. Um, and it had it definitely had some value. Um bit of a crazy setup because you'd think from the shoot it was very lavish and like in a big studio it was literally like in his living room in his little flat in Reading right <laughs> a lot of stuff with you happening in Reading you were in Reading at the time I was right? in Reading at the time right. yeah um and and that's pretty much who I shot with just like local people um so obviously Jake was local um and now he's famous and now he's quite and famous we're in yeah. my flat and I'm next not- to a puppy just talking bollocks so yeah, you know. And you work with uh, Jeff Tonyamy? Yeah. A fair bit, I think, if yeah. I remember rightly. Yeah, he ended up being my next door neighbour for a while. That's right. Yeah. You creeper. So, um, I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't even realise. Um, and, then I re- and then I went to his house and I was like, you literally live next door. And he was like, oh, yeah. Um, but it was really good, you know. Yeah. Good, he good shot in his day. living room as well, right? Uh, he just shot, shot in his house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, I remember going around. So th- the podcast has taken like five years for me to find out what I want it to be. Mm. And the first thing I ever did, I had this idea of making, I thought it was going to be like a documentary. I was very naive. <laughs> and I would basically interview different photographers and models and stuff about what the industry is actually like and good points and bad points yeah. and he was like the first person to actually let me in the door and let me have a chat with him yeah and he let me come around and watch him do a shoot and he was amazing what he got done in such a tight space oh my god yeah he's great um, not that he had a small flat or house i can't remember what it was but it was a, it was a big room but it's just yeah. for photography's sake it's a small space it's always yeah, a small yeah, space yeah. yeah um he i've always liked his work um very Kind of like old school Vogueish, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, he's very inspired by, by that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, he's great. He's a, he's a really great photographer, a great person to work with. Um, and he he's very he's kind of like a really nice mix. So he'll give some form of direction on a specific shot that he's looking for. But most of the time he'll just kind of let you get on with it, yeah. and he'll just he'll want something kind of very naturally to happen because then you get a more authentic shot that way. Right. Um, which was, which was really cool. So we, yeah, we shot loads of stuff. Um, when we were both around basically and free, sometimes it would be like, Oh, it's a sunny day. Do you want to do a shoot? And we'd be like, well, yeah. You're next door to each other. That's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he was, he was great. Um, I did work with him quite early on, but he was very new then as well. Um, especially kind of to the online scene. I don't think he was, I don't think anyone even really knew who he was. Um, it doesn't help that I think even to this day, his website still says under construction. <laughs> he drives really. me mad. <laughs> I love his work, right? But you can't even go on his website to look at it because you just go on and it's like coming soon. And I'm pretty mm. sure it said coming soon since I was 27. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he utilises social media more i think he's got quite good relationships with agencies as well so yeah he's here in finland right because his wife is finnish 
I don't think. I think so. I can't remember. Um, I don't want to get the wrong nationality because no. someone will be sending me hate mail, but no. I'm pretty sure she's Finnish. I think that's where the whole Tony Amy thing yeah. came from. But he's he's definitely got connections out there. They go out there quite a lot. Yeah. Um, Scandinavia yeah. is a good place to find models, really. I know. I mean, the people he shoots are absolutely stunning. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then there was the moving on to the next argument that we had. Oh God. So do you remember you put up a, a this actually started a rivalry between me and a guy and he didn't even know we had a rivalry. I had it all in my head for like for like three weeks. I was like, me and this guy are mortal enemies. He would not be able to pick me out of a lineup. So you put a post up saying that you needed someone to help you photograph like a summer cover photo thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got it. I know who you mean. And the description you gave, I only knew how to do one thing. And I've evolved since. I can now do four things. But, <laughs> but at the time, I only had to do one thing, which was that kind of like pretty floaty, summery, yeah. natural light stuff. That's the yeah. only thing I knew how to do. And you put this this casting up that you might as well have stapled it to my forehead. Yeah. Because it was like, that's the only thing I know how to do. Yeah. We've worked together by this point. We didn't kill each other somehow. <laughs> and... um. And you, you, you went with someone else. This, this guy that's yeah. now my big at this point in life was my biggest rival. I was yeah. like, I hated this guy, and I was like, who do you think he is? He did not know I was even bothered by him. Yeah, we never said a word to each other. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So do you remember this? Do you remember? The I remember of this? the exact image and the exact photo shoot, and I remember instantly regretting my decision. Um, because he destroyed it, basically. So I do remember you coming back uh, when we talked about it later on. I think like a year later, we had a really long conversation about it, like laughing our heads off because you went in with this idea and he went the laziest possible route with it. Yeah, so he was in a flat in, oh, I can't even remember where it was. I think it might have been somewhere like Shepherd's Bush. And basically um, he took me across the road to a bush on a pavement and shot it there. I, I swear to you, which I mean, fine. I mean, sometimes that can work and yeah. whatever, but like, come well, on. what you were going for, it was yeah. miles away from what you had kind of set out. Yeah. And, um, I who, seem to remember as well, a headdress being across your eyes for some photos. That was a different shoot. Was that a different shoe? That was a different okay, shoe. Right. <laughs> but I remember you saying like, I'm sure it was it must be this different shoe, but you were like, why did he keep putting it across my eyes? Like I couldn't see what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, that was a different shoe. But um that one, yeah, that was destroyed, basically. Um It was a real shame because like the whole idea was really cool. And even if it wasn't me, which at the time I was being a petulant little dick about it. Even if it wasn't me, it was going to be a really good photo based on the idea that you'd put up. Yeah. And it was honestly, not just because I wanted this other guy dead or anything, but <laughs> it was really disappointing when I saw the photo and I was just like, really? Yeah. Like, we, that's, were... that's as far as we could take it? Yeah. It was, well, yeah. I mean, if you're stood on a pavement in Shepherd's Bush, like putting your head in a bush that's someone else's garden, like there's only so much you can do really, yeah, to be true. honest with you. But Yeah. I mean, that um, was when you were, that's when, to me, you were getting big. Mm, to me. Yeah, fine. That's, that's when you were doing like, you started to do hair stuff. Yeah. At that point. Did quite a lot of hair work. Yeah. Now, I got told 
you're way more experienced in this than than obviously I am because I've got no hair as a start, but I'm also not a model. <laughs> but I've been told that hair models, it's a really weird job. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, really hard. And people think it's easy because, you know, you go in, you get your hair done, you get paid loads of money. It's it's really not like that at all. You, you work for that money, 100%. Um, especially if you start working for big salons. Um and yeah, it can be really hard. Sometimes they'll tell you they're going to do something and then they change their mind on the day and you have absolutely no say in what they're doing. So they just do whatever they want your hair. And I've had that happen to me um, to the extent that I've had to go home and dye my hair into the middle of the night so I didn't get sacked from my job. Oh, um, basically, they dyed my hair pink when they told me they were going to put pinks in like the ends of it. They dyed my entire hair fluorescent pink and I was like I literally can't because obviously I've got a job as well I can't go to work like this I'll get fired and they were like oh well you'll you'll have to come back in the week I was like I can't come back in the week this isn't my full-time job um so they just kind of left it like that so what's the planning stage for like obviously that was last year but when you when you're when you're a hair model how long is the the arrangement is it like they get you in a couple of months before and do like a trial and then they pull you at the last minute or is it literally like a right last minute usually last minute i think i think they would like to think that they have that much time usually they don't um and i have worked for some really great um salons that actually do give you that much time so they'll be like look um we're gonna do a shoot in two months we want your hair like this is that all right or do you want us to change something etc etc um and yeah there's there's some really great people out there but Usually it's last minute. Um, you go in about two days before the shoot um, or the show, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, they'll dye your hair. They'll go, leave it alone. Don't wash it. Blah, 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 blah. So you just have to do nothing for two days, which right. isn't great, obviously, if you're doing this as a full-time job as well. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then you, they'll do it. They'll usually do it again and... <laughs> they'll either they'll either be like I remember once I went to a show and they were like why haven't you washed your hair I was like because you told me not to wash my hair so <laughs> they took me up to someone's hotel room washed my hair over a bath um, and then were like oh we need to do your hair again and I was like why didn't you just tell me to wash my hair yeah I could have washed my own hair <laughs> um, but yeah it is it is like that it's, it's crazy so they literally will but usually, you know, they'll give you an inkling of what they want to do with it. So, for example, if they're like, oh, we want your hair to be, I don't know, bright copper. That was the main one I used to get is we want to do a bright copper, really bold, talk about how we did it, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. And they'll be like, oh, can we cut a bit off? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, you hear the clippers start. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but I've, yeah, I have, I've been in those situations though where literally they're like, oh, actually we need to cut like four inches off your hair. And I'm like, no. No, everyone, you're not doing that. Right. Um, but going in, is there is there like a contract set up where they no. have like any right to do anything like that? No. So it just comes down to discretion. Yeah. So it it's it's kind of very ad hoc. I mean, I don't know. I, there are people that do this full time, and maybe they have kind of better contracts in place. But from my experience, it's ad hoc. It's like we desperately need a model. Usually, um, can you do it? we're going to do this. Is that all right? And you go, yeah, no. And then sometimes they change their mind on the day and then you, you let them do whatever. But you've worked with some, some bigger names. I mean, you, I'm sure you work mm. with Emmanuel Estefan. 
Yeah, he well, he was uh, working for Anne Vic at the time. Let's see, that's that's not small. No, and Anne was Anne was okay. Um, she might have been the person that dyed my hair pink, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, she she's fab. Um, and I, I worked with her about three or four times. Um, and there was one shoot that we did for a hair book in France where the photographer on the day basically said he wanted to cut my hair very, very short because he only he only wanted women with uh, short hair in the book. Um, and I said, no way. And she was like, right, we'll just put a wig on you. So I shot in a wig. Okay. Um, so, you know, from, from that perspective, she was... She was great, um, but I, th- I think it just depends on the shoe and kind of the vision of what they do because sometimes they change their minds and stuff. But at that point, he was he was assisting, so he was right. styling hair because he's really cool. Than, I, I, yeah. Every time he posts something, I'm just staggered at how it's even done. Yeah, I, he's much bigger now right. than when I worked with him, but. Um, yeah, at that point he was a. Well, you were you him. were his jumping point, basically. <laughs> you can just say that you, you were his claim. Of course, of course. Um, but the shows are really different, right? The, the like catwalk shows. Shows are hard. Yeah. So I have a question because I got told a story about a, a hair show mm-hmm. um, where a model who's not normally a hair model did a catwalk hair show, whatever it's called. Yeah. And apparently there are very strict rules in place. At least there were at this one about you basically walk down, everyone looks at your hair, you walk back. Yeah. And she decided that to stand out, she would be incredibly flamboyant and pull loads of poses. Ooh. And yeah. Oh. Um, and it didn't go down particularly well. <laughs> no. And caused quite a, quite a large argument apparently afterwards. Oh. Is, is that the case? Is it quite strict? And Again, I think it depends what you're doing. Um, kind of the colour trophy stuff. So like the competition, you literally have to stand there. There's There's no... I guess modeling as such. Do you do like a mannequin? Yeah, hundred percent. Right. There's literally when you go through to like regionals, there is a section where you stand there for half an hour and you stand still and you don't move, um, and it's actually quite dangerous. When I was there, someone fainted because you're under really bright lights as well. Yeah, so you just stand there. Um, it's yeah. a form of torture, right? That's literally a form of torture. It's, it's not. It's not the best. I'm not um, saying it's the hardest job in the world and it's no. the worst thing ever, but that is a form of torture. It's it's harder than people think, and you know, I, I understand that it sounds like I'm being a bit pedantic, being like, "Oh, you have to stand there for half an hour and you get paid loads of money." <laughs> it's actually really, really hard. Yeah, really hard. Um, oh, I'd be the first person to call you out if you were if you were being a bit of a diva, and you're definitely not. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do a job where I had to stand under bright lights for that long yeah. without moving, without causing any problems yeah. while people inspect me. Yeah. And literally it's what they do. You get like, there's about four or five judges and they walk around and they literally, I think they stared at my hair for about 30 seconds in that half an hour thing. Which makes it worse. Yeah. Because you're it, like, why have I been here for all this time? Yeah. Right. And you literally stand there with like a picture of yourself before you had your hair done. So mine was like a selfie from Instagram because they didn't tell me what picture they were going to pick. So they just picked up this selfie from Instagram. So I just stood there with this and they just, they just glance at you and that's it. Um, and that's, that's really tough. But yeah, like the, the catwalk side of things is either very, um, choreographed. So you'll have to do something very particular or they don't really want anything. Right. It's just you walk, you show the hair, you go. That's it. Right. Um, but when you say it's awards, 
Who's who is winning the award? Is it the hairdresser or is it yeah. a company? Yeah, yeah. So um, the most popular one is uh, run by L'Oreal, which is Color Trophy. Right. And salons from all across the country will enter to compete, basically. So it goes through a couple of rounds. So I think the first round is where they do a photo shoot. Um, so they shoot a model, they do kind of like a before and after. Um, it's usually quite editorial and that kind of stuff. So if you get so shortlisted. The, the people judging, sorry yeah. to interrupt, because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. actually really interested in this because yeah. I've, I've never been in a position to ask these questions. So the people judging, they only see the photos or do yeah. they, they don't witness the shoot. No. So it's really interpretable by retouching. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I guess it moves later on to live stuff. Yeah. Ah, see, I almost feel like I'm quite smart for figuring that out by myself. <laughs> so then if you get through, then yeah, so you, it's usually a shortlist per region and then there's a regional contest. Um, and then from there they do, it's basically kind of like a task. So you can, you can do some basic hair prep before, but basically the hair has to be dyed and everything, so you can't do that. But you have about half an hour to style it. So... Basically, it's like this huge row of these kind of like vanity mirrors and people just going crazy for half an hour um, does it doing hurt? people's hair. I mean, I don't have hair, so I can't remember. <laughs> I can't even remember what it's like to have hair, but does it hurt having people pulling your hair around? And- I mean, most hairdressers are really gentle because obviously they're trained to not tug I just thought because they're in a rush, it would be a bit yeah. terrifying. Um, it is a bit like, oh, but usually they've got kind of quite a few people helping them if right. they can. Um, but... Yeah, then they have about half an hour to do this, get this whole style done. Then you basically go up and walk. And then you do that thing where I'm saying you stand still for ages and they come around and look at your hair. Try not to faint. Yeah, try not, and literally someone fainted. It was awful. Um, and then they they just do an announcement after that, basically, of who gets through. Um, right. There's like, I can't remember how many people it is, but there's, there's kind of like a few that will get through to like the bigger final. Um, and then there's like another big... Award show. Is there a trophy that. at the end? I think like a literal trophy. I don't know because if they're calling it a trophy, I want there to be like a bowling trophy. <laughs> I don't know because I I didn't ever go to one of the kind of final shows, right. so I don't know. Okay, but um, I did a few of the the regional ones and they were really tough. They were long days because you have to go I, and get your hair done before, and then you, they're not over till like ten o'clock at night and. It's pretty, it's pretty long. But as far as, obviously there's several models all on, all, all there on the day, all at the same time. Yeah. Is it particularly nice environment or are, are you competitive between yourselves as models? No, no, no. Models are just like all super friendly with each other and, you know, I mean, not all the time, but I think in shows in particular, because you're waiting around for bloody ages usually. Right. Backstage for them to call you out and that kind of stuff. So I mean, if you don't talk to them, you don't talk to anyone. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think the last one I did, they they were very attentive to the models. So they had like loads of food out, loads of water, you know, stuff to like really help everyone, make sure they don't pass out and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I've never met a model in that kind of scenario who's been catty because they're on a different salon's. Well I, suppose, well, I suppose also as well, it's a lot of stuff up front because you're, you're face-to-face, a lot of people act differently than what True. they would be online. So um, one quick question and then we're going to spin away from this, but is it the hair modelling the reason that you went ginger or copper or whatever we're calling it? No. 
So you chose that was the direction we had to go in and that sort of, did that lead to more hair modelling because you did yeah. it? Yeah. I see. And was that the reason at all? Or was no. it just literally a, a desire no. to be? No, um, I I wanted to go ginger for quite a while. I didn't know what it would look like. I bought a wig because <laughs> I wanted to make sure like I knew what it looked like before I did it. Um, and I had a really good friend at that point who was a hairstylist and I asked her if she'd do me a favour and dye it for me. Um, and she did. So, um, yeah. So was it was, shocking at first? No. Were you cool with it? I really liked it straight away. Right. Um, and and it did. I think it helped because um, auburn colour is kind of quite on trend for right. hair salons, especially around. It was striking. It's a dominant colour, right? Yeah. yeah. And especially around autumn, winter. It's quite a big colour yeah. that comes in, especially either from customers or from like a more kind of editorial perspective. So, I, I mean, I didn't do it to get hair work. I wasn't particularly fussed by getting hair work, but it just it just kind of just happened. Was. Yeah. Right. So when it came to, obviously you did a lot of professional work, hair modelling and, and other yeah. stuff. And then obviously there's also the freelance side of things where you're kind of working directly with a photographer. Mm-hmm. They're massively different yeah but also challenging in their in their own ways yeah <laughs> any um any preference obviously the professional stuff's a lot more professional <laughs> <laughs> um do you know what i i think neither um because neither neither <laughs> no and there's there's a reason why it's because i prefer I think I prefer the stuff that I kind of started with where I, I guess I kind of had a bit more control over what I was right. doing. So the stuff where you were kind of leading the yeah. the, the idea. Yeah. Right. Um, and I definitely enjoyed that stuff a lot more. Um, but, you know, bills to pay, blah, 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 it's, it kind of, you know, you're buying all the outfits, the props, blah, blah, blah. It all really adds up. So... Um, I kind of tried to keep a balance still kind of between the two. Um, but I, I think that's the stuff I preferred more. I know that's not the favoured opinion on these things and that I should probably be like, oh, I preferred doing this, but actually I preferred, I don't know, I preferred the more creative stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Well, um, I think as well, because um, you're no longer in that world, yeah. you're going to give a more honest answer. I think yeah. people people are protecting their own interests when they sure. say they like something that maybe they don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you modelled for about three years and then was there like a gradual move to stop modelling? Yeah. Did you start to, did it start to wear on you yeah. and then there was just a tipping point? Yeah. So what was it that was wearing on you? I, and I guess it kind of comes back to the point I just made. I just started to hate it. Right. I actually really, I I can't believe I ever got to that point, but I did. And I just did not enjoy it. I was, I mean, this is brutally honest. I just did stuff for the cash by the end of it. Um, I was just, I was just not happy and uh, I hate to say it, but the industry was becoming slightly more sleazy by the time, by the time I left. Um, And I'm not, I, you know, I'm not really about that. I remember once there was a photographer who said to me, um, and I'll never forget it. He said, are you going to do topless because you haven't actually got your tits out yet? And I was like, sorry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so that was 
you know, it was it was stuff like that. It grates on you eventually. Like sometimes you can laugh it off and, you know, some people do just joke around and that's fine because that's how some people deal with being awkward and stuff. But that guy was literally like, oh, you're only doing implied, but you told me you do topless. I'm only paying you for topless and that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, and I was like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> well, like I say quite a lot with weddings. It's obviously mm. a completely different side of it. But I meet a lot of photographers at weddings because there's guys that bring along cameras and they either are just starting out as a hobby. They're usually like 40 years old and they're just starting out. You know, they got a bit of money from like a bonus or whatever they buy a camera. They're looking looking for something to do. And there is a lot of people that buy a camera as a social crutch. Yeah. And that's the worst possible thing to want the camera to be your lead in socially. Yeah. But then you've got to interact with a subject because the camera's no, like if me and you were doing a photo shoot and the only thing I can present to you as any interest on my part is a camera. (laughs) Once you're aware I own a camera, there's no conversation. Yeah. And then it gets weird. Yeah. And I think the more it gets weird, the more people will, wildly say stuff that I'm not saying this guy did, wasn't a complete dick and mm. sounds like a right fun guy mm. all things considered yeah. but I think that it almost makes people go st- I've had some weird things said to me at weddings yeah where I've had like weirdly aggressive things said to me and then they're like oh I didn't mean to sound aggressive I think <laughs> that it's almost like you get that awkward stammer Mm. and the camera's the lead-in, but they don't realise that once you've got the lead-in, you then have to interact. Yeah. Um. So when you were doing one-on-one stuff or like uh, freelance stuff working with a photographer, yeah. was it, I mean, what's it like in the build-up to doing that stuff? When you're turning up and you've never met this guy before, don't start with talking about me, but because <laughs> we met in the woods. Let's not start with that. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was Richmond Park, actually. It was, It was Richmond yeah. Park. Lovely sunny evening. Aww. I still have... Uh, I still have like a handful of the raw files. Oh, that I, was I, so much fun. It was, it was actually all right. I was terrified because we'd had these, these huge rows in the build yeah. up and then we meet and me and you were just fine. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she didn't like go for me. There was no stabbing. <laughs> you turn up at Richmond Park and I was like, do I die here? This is where she kills me. But it was all right. But when you're, when you're in the build up and you've, you know, you've had this, the, the pre-communications with someone that wants yep. to, wants to shoot with you. And you're maybe looking at it that they're not the most experienced or accomplished mm-hmm. and they're still building yep. their skill set. Is it quite nerve wracking coming in? I think it's it's quite hard to give a blanket answer because some people actually super nice, super friendly, um, you know, will chat to you about everything, anything, don't care. Um, it's usually about a particular online website and how... They don't agree with other people and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, some people are like that. Some people don't say a word and it's like, okay, <laughs> what do I do? Um, and, you know, I think, I think you have to realise that, I mean, for the most part, and I speak for the good people, not the bad ones, is that some people are incredibly nervous and that some people know about some of the bad stuff that goes on and they don't want me to feel uncomfortable or say something that I might misinterpret because they don't know me and they don't know how I'm going to react. So they don't say anything, Um, which obviously isn't kind of good or bad. I mean, 
Um, and sometimes you can kind of get them to relax and, you know, they kind of chill out a bit more. But, you know, sometimes I'll get a message being like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I was just really nervous. Like, I didn't do anything. Did I? Are you OK? And stuff. And and then you you kind of get it a bit more. You kind of get why people are like that. Yeah. Um. And I, I do think that's the other side of this stuff that people don't realise is that there are a, there are loads of good people out there that just want to learn photography and, you know, they, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to, you know, this might be like the only other person they talk to apart from their wife or something. Um, and they, they, they don't know what to do. Well, so, as well, you've got like, you've got the age gaps. Generally speaking, if you're talking real generalities, you're talking... 30 to 50 year old blokes, maybe older, maybe younger, but Mm -hmm. generally speaking. And then the women are sub 25 in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. and sub 25 women and guys over 30 will have almost no cultural path crossing. No. They're not doing the same things. They don't watch the same shows. They don't listen to the same music in the, in again, it's just generalities. Um, And there's another whole side to things, which crippled me for a while really genuinely crippled me and i've become militant about this since i've kind of had a bit of an awakening to what it's like Mm. there is obviously a how's the best way to put this with with the way sort of social culture is going as a guy quite often you start off as the bad guy yeah especially i guess with a camera as well I always make a joke at weddings about the fact that I have a beard and a camera. The only thing I'm missing is like a hollowed out ice cream van and I'm like the biggest threat on earth. But there is like a pre preconception that you're the, you're bad because you're a guy. I mean, generally speaking nowadays, it's not, it's not the most fun it's ever been to be a bloke. Hmm. And people come in with a lot of misconceptions and a lot of, um, pre-designed ideas of why you're doing what you're doing, why you're into what you're into. And that's a real shame because I think that also cripples people that like you say, are only coming into it because they want to learn photography or they just, they just look for something to do. Yeah. Um, And that's a real shame. I think, I think that's underestimated as well. I went through a phase of being really defensive about it. Mm. And that's worse because when you're defensive about it, you're the one focusing on it, which means you bring it up more. Yeah. And then it's like, it's almost like a double-edged thing that you're kind of, if you're the, it's hard to describe, but if you're the one that's like, if if everyone's just stood in the room and you go, well, I didn't fart and there's no smell, <laughs> everyone's like, okay, so this guy just farted. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like. It felt yeah. like I had to sort of explain myself before I did anything. Yeah. And that was horrible. Mm. That was really horrible. That, I had, I had some really, I had some really terrible experiences, um, but in that period, I went through um, I went through this weird phase of a lot of stuff going wrong in, in my life in general. And then something really bizarre happened. So I was, I was booked in to do a couple of shoots um, and they were models I'd not worked with before. It was just literally me learning what, mm. I, was, what I was into and, and whatever. And um, so I'm away in Finland and um, I got really ill while I was in Finland. I was out there for a week, absolutely freezing, minus sort of 40, minus 30 Gosh. in that ballpark. My eye popped. So that was what I was, I was, mm. my, I had all these problems with my eye. I think you, I think even yeah, when, yeah, yeah. I think you remember all of that. And um, um, about two or three days in, and I couldn't come back until the following Saturday, mm. um, my wife let me know that 
uh, my auntie had died. Oh no. And, you know, we were very close and like, yeah. I was really struggling sort of on a sort of self-esteem level. And yeah. and then with the problems physically and I'm trying to photograph a wedding, which I was dangerously underqualified to be doing in the middle of the Arctic Circle. Um, and I flew back and I just cancelled. I like just blanket cancelled everything I could cancel for the next five or six weeks. Yeah. Basically with the idea of I didn't know whether or not I was going to make it out of this five or six weeks with everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. And the website that you are sort of alluding to um one of them started a a a thread on the forum on there which is just one of the most toxic places on earth Mm -hmm. um saying that i had fabricated my auntie dying and being ill (gasps) so that i could get out shooting with them and that i was basically an arsehole jeez and then because because of the way the dynamic works again because you have the pre- designed idea that because you're the photographer you're the bad one in the situation or you're mm-hmm. the guy you're the bad one in the situation and other photographers love this because it's like <laughs> it's like when the biggest shark i'm not saying i was the biggest shark but it's like <laughs> when the biggest shark gets injured and all the other sharks attack it yeah so they can kind of move up the pecking order that's yeah. what it felt like i yeah. had everybody saying oh yeah well i've heard such and such oh yeah well blah blah, blah. and mm. all of a sudden there's just this wild thread going on and i actually had to threaten the site with defamation yeah because there was stuff being said that was basically accusing me of things i guess would be criminal jeez but horrible stuff stuff that in a million years i've never been anywhere near Mm. but it's a very toxic environment and it's a very bizarre social place (laughs) and that's why i think i clamped on to you (laughs) after we got past the initial arguments (laughs) Because I think you saw it the same as I did, that like yeah. socially it's a bizarre place. And you almost, I think we almost got together online, it felt like every few, maybe once a month, once every other month, and just go through, right, here's what's happened. Yeah. Here's this person. Can you believe they've done this? Yeah. Blah, blah. And you just try and unpack all of that mm-hmm. nonsense and the noise and try and make heads or tails of it. Yeah. And I, that was probably one of my best memories with you is just... <laughs> Trying to work out what the hell was going on most of the time. I mean, it made me avoid quite a lot of people as well. Like if someone was being, I don't know, like rude or inappropriate about someone else or saying something that felt like it was crossing the line, I would have literally no interest in working with that person ever. Yeah. Because I'm just not interested in getting in the drama. I hardly ever worked with anyone who was in all that noise um yeah it's toxic it's horrible people don't think about what they say because it's the internet they don't realize that there's consequences to what they're saying um yeah. and that's yeah. that's that's just the modern age right that's yeah, yeah, just yeah. people see everyone else as an account they don't mm-hmm. see him as a person and what's no. going on behind no and you know i've actually just remembered something else it was really funny <laughs> very specific to you and i'm really hoping you don't remember this and i'm going to remind you so you were going you were being booked by a photographer to come down to little hampton where i was living at the time yeah and he had this concept to shoot you where you would go out at night i think it was on the beach and there would be fire oh my god yeah i remember this (laughs) yeah i literally just remembered it and i remember I think he sent you over the idea and you immediately like screenshot it and sent it to me <laughs> and was did. just like, what is going on? <laughs> you can't do this. What? Help me get out of this. 
I definitely didn't do it. That's that's the main thing. I got out of it. It was like a wall of fire. It was a wall of fire, but I, it wasn't real fire. He was going to Photoshop it in afterwards. Because I think. you go to the beach to do that. Yeah. Water and fire together. Oh, God. I, you know, this is how <laughs> pathetic I am. I didn't even see the artistic merit of all of this. <laughs> God, I just remember your panic on oh, Facebook. Geez. You messaging yeah. me just like what is this idea what is happening help me get out of this yeah god there's so many things all right so here's here's a good one i'll try and remind you of something else so do you remember um i actually posted this conversation me and you had a private conversation i posted it online for everyone to see do you remember what i'm talking about yeah i think so yeah so i messaged you and i said i'll try and do this i'm gonna you don't laugh all right i'm gonna try and do this as accurately as the way that i i typed what i okay. said okay so i said Charlotte, I, I feel like I really need to talk to you about something. And then you were like, okay, what? And I was like, you know, it's, I've been dealing with a lot of feelings and it's been really hard lately. Um, trying to keep everything in order. You know, I, I feel a certain way and I feel like I can't act on it. <laughs> and we really need to have this conversation. <laughs> And you were like, oh God. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I remember You were that. terrified. And I, I dragged it out for absolutely ages. Yeah, I know. And then the punchline <laughs> of all of this was that I said that I had just had a really nice stew and yeah. it was delicious. Yeah. But you thought I was obviously like either, either coming on to you or coming out of the closet. Yeah. Basically, it was the way that I'd worded this whole thing out. And you, I just remember oh. that amount of swearing that came my way afterwards. Yeah, I was, because I remember I was sitting there and I was just like this. I was like, what's he going to say? And then you said, I was like, oh, you bastard, you got me. <laughs> and then I shared it publicly and you saw you it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That was honestly one of the funniest things I remember. That's probably one of my best memories of photography, which is really saying something. <laughs> Not the photographs. Not the photographs, no. <laughs> All right. So. Let's, let's work towards the end of modelling. Was there like a final shoot where you were like, that's it, I'm done, I can't do any more? It was my last show, actually. Hair show? Yeah. Okay. Um, but did you know going in it was your last show? No, but afterwards I was like, I'm done. I'm, so I didn't have anything, I don't think I had anything else kind of booked and I was like, I'm just going to let this frazzle from here because I just, I just don't want to do it anymore. So what, what happened at this show then? Um, I mean, it was, a, it was a good show. It was for a good salon. So it was quite, it was quite good from that perspective. Um, they did some crazy stuff with my hair. Um, they did stuff on stage so I couldn't even see what it looked like. Um, the best way to, I think, what did my boyfriend say? He said, I look like the Jamaican flag when I came home. So I had like... Yellow, green, I had pink, I had, and then obviously like my normal coloured hair. They just like just started putting coloured strips in my hair. Didn't tell me they were going to do it. They did it on stage so I couldn't see. And then I got home and I was like, what the hell? Um, so, so that wasn't great. Um, and... I think, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. I remember I gave them my sizes. So this is a big thing that used to always happen to me. So I've got bigger hips than most kind of normal models, shall we say. And I always, when they asked for measurements, I was always up front about that and stuff. Obviously was not passed on to the stylist because the stylist had no clothes for me that fitted. Right. So they like squeezed me into this 
tartan skirt and I still remember it because it was horrible um, and it didn't cover my ass. So walking around at a hair show with a thing that just did not cover me was pretty horrible. Um, and I just, I just remember coming home and being like, why the fuck am I doing this? I don't need to do this. I don't want to do it anymore. And that, I think that was it. Um, but yeah, they, they weren't particularly nice to me for that, for that skirt incident. Um, <laughs> they kind of made me feel like the fat girl who didn't declare her sizing properly. Right. And I was like, you're tiny, <sighs> but you are tiny. Mm. You, you are, <laughs> you're, you're, you're very petite. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not in the fashion world. I'm not. But well, but in terms, I I know what you mean by your hips. Like you, you do have like you you you. I don't know if you say you have got big hips, but I guess comparatively with your frame, yeah. But you are a very small framed person, yeah. Um, and you know what's always weird? So you are one of two models that I've worked with more than a couple of times that this has happened with. I've seen it so much; it's ridiculous, and it's one of my biggest um. One of the things I get most pissy about, I'd probably say, like where I, you know, you know, when you, you see something online that annoys you yeah. and you walk away and that's it. Mm. This is the thing that will never happen with. <laughs> you, I see it online and I cannot help myself. I have to step in. Now, currently I'm the heaviest I've ever been. So I'm now about 15 stone and I don't know how big I was when we first met, but I was a damn sight smaller. You can, it's fine. You can laugh. It's not know. a problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember that. So. Um, you're just so mad with rage. You couldn't see me. Exactly. Um, but I'm now like <laughs> the biggest I've ever been. So this isn't about sort of defending your own territory here. I'm, I'm, this, I'm laying the groundwork for something. Bear mm. with me. I'm slow. <laughs> so I'm not skinny. I used to be skinny when I was sort of up to about 23 and I got married at 24 and it all went to hell. <laughs> That's what happens with marriage. Um, but there is a really bizarre part of modern equality, feminism, whatever. I'm not going to get really sociopolitical, but there is a really weird part that's very specific. That it's okay to absolutely trash slimmer people. Yeah. Like horrendous, horrible comments. Mm -hmm. And that's socially acceptable yeah. because equality. Yeah. And I remember there was one particular photo of you that I'd posted and it was either Instagram or probably Facebook. And there was just endless comments. I remember you had that weird guy. There was a weird guy that used to always comment on your stuff, really aggressive stuff. I'm not going to say mm -hmm. his name. I can actually remember part of his name, weirdly. Um, who, nothing to do with me, to do with you, mm -hmm. who you would post stuff and he would write the most offensive, horrible, bullying, harassing stuff underneath yeah. it. And it's so unbelievably infuriating to me and I'm a big fat guy so I'm not defending my own territory here <laughs> but why is it socially acceptable now to absolutely trash talk horrendous sort of I don't even know how to describe it it's like a mob mentality mm -hmm. of anyone that's under a size 10 I guess or maybe even under a size 12 at this point Maybe even under a size 14 at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I'm saying this like I know what clothes sizes are. <laughs> um, just XL for me, thanks. Um, or if I'm feeling comfy, XXL. Um, 
But there is this thing of it's just, it's absolutely fine to completely trash, especially slim women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? I know. It's, I mean, I wish I could tell you the answer to that, but I haven't got a clue. I remember, I think, with that incident and with another image, I had it twice very aggressively. And that was... I think that's the thing that people don't understand that some things are done or exaggerated in post-production yeah. and it's not real life. And this is this is a bigger issue. But I remember there was an image I did ages ago um, with another photographer where I basically had to really heavily breathe in and my ribs were sticking out because I was breathing in, as would with most people. You'd see Even some... Even me at this point. <laughs> you'd literally Just. see some rib yeah. if you're breathing completely in. Um, and then obviously the shadowing on that was exaggerated in Photoshop, so it looked more defined. But uh, all I remember was... Oh, she needs a sandwich. Someone feed her a burger. Oh, men don't like, uh, you know, someone who's... Me, the the yeah. phrase I always read, and it's it's the one that like triggers me. I'm almost getting like a burst blood vessel in my eye saying it, but it's when they go, real men like meat on the bones. Yeah, meat on the bones. Always yeah. said by people that don't sleep with women. And it's like uh, only dogs like bones and yeah. that stuff. It's just like, oh, like, please, like, you literally know nothing about me. You actually don't even know what size I actually am. Um, I actually think, like, <sighs> beyond beyond you, in this scenario, there's you and then there's the person saying it. Hmm. Just go to, like, Asda on a Thursday night at 11 o'clock at night. And there's a... Um, I'm not going to say the comedian's name because it would get me banned because he's banned from everything. But he, he always said, if you go to Walmart at 11 o'clock at night, you'll see a sphere with a bit of hair on top and shoes on the bottom and she'll have 12 kids. <laughs> this idea that men are going, ugh, no, to anything is ridiculous, firstly. But this idea that like, apparently men are the connoisseurs of society and we're mm. being really particular, yeah. firstly, is ridiculous. Secondly, it's always someone who has no sexual interest in your side mm -hmm. that then says what people would be interested in <laughs> on your side. Yeah. It's, the, it's straight women telling other straight women that men aren't interested. It's like, how the hell would you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's what I mean. I think women can be just as horrible about the stuff. And I, I don't know why. Like it... It's crazy because on, I guess, kind of the polar opposite side of this is, is, you know, people are starting to embrace their bodies, whether they've got like fat rolls in their stomach or, you know, like some rolls on the side. Like people are like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And that's liberating. But if it's the other side where it's, you know, someone who's thinner, who's trying to do the same thing, it's, oh, that's so disgusting. Oh, she's anorexic or oh, she needs help. I had so much of that. I'm literally not anorexic. I've, uh, I've never had an issue with eating. I, I eat. Know. I eat a hell of a lot. <laughs> I bought you dinner. I, I, I've seen it. I, um, I remember actually one of the first, I think the first time we worked together after I moved to West Sussex and we got pizza delivered. And it was like two or three boxes of pizza. There was about four of us, I think, there. Yeah. And we put the pizza down, had this huge L sofa, which you always used to like take the corner, which basically meant the L sofa was all yours. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I remember turning around, turning back, and you had just slid one of the pizzas over to your side of the sofa, and you were like, you had the box lid up, and you were just eating from like under the box lid. <laughs> No, right. In my defence, no one else was eating it and I just felt like I couldn't be the first one to take any, but I was but really hungry. <laughs> I know, but I was really hungry, so I was trying to do it like sneakily so people didn't see. But you just looked like this folded up little person, like a bowl in the corner, just attacking some bread. <laughs> That's just what times. happens when I'm hungry. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely right. One of the things that sort of I find really funny is this this premise that it's harder to be fat than it is to be skinny. That That, mm. that it's... Like the actual achievement of being slimmer requires movement. <laughs> this is, but the what I'm saying now is my opinion and not that of Charlotte. I'm just clarifying so that you don't get any nonsense from this. Everyone can come after my fat ass. <laughs> but for me to have a six pack would take more effort than for me to eat a bun. <laughs> right. I mean, if you put it that literally, I guess so. Someone that's got a six pack, it, uh, there's actually a phrase that always comes out is about like real women. It's like Dove's got this campaign, right? Mm. For like real women. Because mm-hmm. obviously the um, when you lose enough weight that you're under, I don't know, like a size 10 or whatever it is they're annoyed about, you suddenly become, well, you have to hand in your vagina. Yeah, you're not real anymore. Yeah. I, I, that's the thing I've always found amazing. Like mm-hmm. someone like you, is, it's down to hard work and metabolism, right? And we were all young. I had a metabolism when I was younger. I remember I remember when I was skinny. <laughs> Sad time. But I remember having a metabolism where I could just eat and eat and eat and eat and I would never put weight on. When I yeah. was 16 years old, 15 years old, I was I was getting into hockey. Mm. As in proper hockey, not field hockey. And um, more hate coming my way for that. Yep. And I was deep frying bacon sandwiches just to try and what? put weight on oh because I weighed nine stone and I was getting the absolute piss knocked out of me by people three times my size. Yeah. So I was trying desperately to put weight on so that I actually had some mass, mm-hmm. but my metabolism wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. I, I just, the whole scenario to me is bizarre that you yeah. would have a movement that's about like equality for women and feeling liberated as a woman but all it is is we've gone from like the 90s where it was attack the fat woman to now it's just attack the skinny woman yeah and not even the skinny woman it's getting to the point where it's like attack anyone that isn't larger Mm. it's a bit ridiculous i mean i find the the simply be advert hilarious (laughs) where the where it's like they're all like dancing around and happy with themselves and stuff and that's fine like i've you know i'm like personal preference here because apparently it matters i don't tend to personally go for skinny women Hmm. that's not my thing but i you know i also i'm not a big fan of coffee that doesn't mean i don't think anyone else should enjoy coffee yeah but the simply be advert makes me laugh because it's like we're more than our like our clothes size whatever say and it's like who the hell are you talking what are you talking about (laughs) who who is this person that's like i'm a size eight and that's it there's nothing else going on Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I think that's the issue is that I think it's great because obviously, you know, like a few years ago, larger women would get that kind of abuse. And, and they that's, shouldn't. That's not fair. No, not at all. Um, and I think it's great that, you know, society is embracing plus size women and actual plus size women, not people that are slightly curvy and they're saying they're plus size. Like, I think that's, I think that's all great, but... Yeah, it is kind of coming at the price of let's attack the, the thin person. because it's, it's the modern thing, generally, in terms of sort of the way society's going, 
that for there to be a winner, someone has to be a loser. Yeah. When it doesn't have to be that way. No. You can say, here is a bigger person, we won't abuse them, without yeah. going, so instead, <laughs> yeah, exactly. let's go get the skinnies. Do you know exactly. what I mean? You, like, yeah. It's almost like, one of the weird things about it is it's almost like the existence of anyone that's smaller is the problem. Mm. Like, you're just existing. Yeah. You're not, it's not like you're, I've never seen you like go and punch a fatty or anything like that. <laughs> no, I'm not going around punching people. No, of well, size. well played. You really sidestepped that nicely. People of size in my, in my spare time. No, but you're not, you're not, you haven't said anything to me about my size. You've definitely looked like you thought about it, but no, I'm joking. <laughs> but you, you don't go around actively seeking out people to make them feel bad. So it just seems no. weird that for them to feel good about themselves, they need you to feel bad. Yeah. That's the part that I can't quite yeah. balance. No. It's like somehow, somehow I should feel better because someone else feels worse. That's the only way I can feel better. Or I yeah. should feel worse so someone else can feel better. That's ridiculous. Everyone yeah. can feel a lot better. I will say, as a side note, I think that this whole idea that everyone needs to have really high self-esteem is utter nonsense. Because I think it's like respect, you have to earn it. Mm. If you're not going to try, you don't really, you know, deserve a lot of respect or self-esteem. Mm. Otherwise, what are we all doing? Yeah. You know, it's, you're not going to get better at something if you already think you're perfect. <laughs> and this idea that everyone should just feel like they're perfect just the way they are is nonsense. Everyone should be trying to get better at everything. Yeah. That's a personal thing. Again, the views put forward were those of mine and not of Charlotte's. <laughs> so you've left modelling. Yeah. What have you done since? Um, so I was, I was working anyway, kind of all the way through, um, when I was modeling. So I, I still work. Um, I work, well, I work with a marketing, but now specifically in social media. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really exciting. Um, very different. Um, I so what's the, what's the kind of stuff you do? Cause I know you're a writer. So is it that, do you do writing for social media? Or? Um, well, okay, I guess it kind of comes in two bits. So uh, I guess the social media stuff's like my my day job. Um, and then I'll occasionally kind of write freelance stuff for people uh, kind of dependent on what they want. So like foodie places might want some kind of post writing for them. So I'll write some stuff for them or um, I, quite, I do quite a lot with fashion brands, usually quite small ones, but um Quite a while ago, I used to write for some some bigger names that I won't drop in here in case they get angry at me. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's quite interesting, um, quite diverse. But yeah, I don't I don't miss the modelling stuff. And you're now, I, so I in preparation for this, while I was walking my dog this morning. I was like, I felt like I knew you really well, so I went over to your <laughs> website and realised I don't really know you at all. <laughs> so you also now you're now a, a food for. Uh, product food photography sort of thing going on? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to say that, but. I don't like to brag. No, I really don't. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm, I'm not going to start being like, oh yes, I'm a food photographer. Everyone can pay me 500 pounds like for half a day's work. No, um, I do it because social requires photography. Um, so it's, it's basically a part but of my job. But you enjoy it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not like I, you know, I'm not claiming to be the best photographer in the world or anything like that. Or it's what you said before we started the podcast. <gasps> no, it's not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I quite enjoy it. Um, again, it's quite creative. So as I said, 
I guess I hate people that say this like, oh, I'm such a creative person. Look at all these directions I've gone in. But I kind of sound a bit like that, don't I? <laughs> no, no, a little bit. No. <laughs> well, I always knew you were you were into writing even when yeah. we first, really, when we first met, you, yeah. you talked about it then. So it wasn't like it was, you do see sometimes, oh, I've got to be careful how I say this, but you do see sometimes where um, there are some models, they get to sort of 31, 32 they're on their way like out the door of modeling for mm. one reason or another, mm-hmm. usually requirement. Yep. Like, cause that's just the way life is. Yep. And they suddenly are like, shit. <laughs> what am Real I doing? world. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? And they've yep. got nothing to then go into. Yeah. They're usually the worst kind of people. <laughs> they are usually the most difficult people to try and hold a, like multi-syllabic conversation mm. with unless you talk about them yeah i it's it's difficult and uh, i i mean i'm I d- again i'm trying to be careful of how i word this but from a very personal thing i think that's a really stupid thing to do yeah because no one can think that you will be a model for the rest of your life because no one that i'm talking about at this point is a supermodel or famous mm. or anything like that. So your time will run out, um, whether you decide that or whether people just stop booking you, like yeah. there will be a point where you have to stop. Um, and to have no backup seems, I guess, quite irresponsible. Um, which is why, you know, that's why I always worked. And this was always kind of like a part-time thing. But for it's me. not hidden, is it? Like the idea, it's not like, you get into modeling or you get into anything to do with the fashion world or to do with that whole side of things. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) it's 18 to 30 seems to be the general area where it all goes on. You know, going in, it's really obvious going in. If you have any peripheral vision at all, you can see very few people make it out from that point. Yeah. And I mean, even if you go for an agency, they won't sign you if you're over 21. So... You know. Well, last I I remember the last bit of agency work I did, they weren't signing anyone that didn't have a certain number of followers. So wow. we've we've really hit that point where it's just everything Jeez. is down to followers. It's the word I would ban if I was in control of the country. I'd ban mm. the word followers. Yeah. Because it gives everyone like a Jesus complex. Everyone thinks they've got disciples. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it's quite contradictory of me to say, considering I work in social media, but I think social media for brands is very different to personal social yes. media. Um, and I, I do think there's something very toxic about kind of personal social media accounts because yes. one, it has self-esteem issues. So, you know, if you're not, if you haven't got 10,000 followers, you're like, what's wrong with me? Which you shouldn't be thinking that because who gives a shit really mm. at the end of the day. But, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in this because I've done exactly the same thing. I've been like, I think, I think know. it's actually a side effect of the drug. I think I've had it. I think everyone that's been on social media, yeah. it's the, the, the atmosphere around it is that it exists for validation yeah, and that the numbers are what validate you. And yep. I've, even I've been sucked into the idea of like, oh, well, you know, it's weird. I mean, from my business's point of view, the the, the wedding side of things, I do look at the numbers and my numbers are bad mm. by comparison, but my business is going well. So it's obviously not affecting it to a point where I can't live. Yeah. 
So I just don't let it affect me. But I've had full on conversations this in 20 bloody 19 with people where they've talked me through their social media following and they've talked me through how they can get this and they have to post at a certain time of day. And yeah. and it's like, but if you're, if you're a, a, like a restaurant that's looking to get more customers and I can understand it, if you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like me where I'm a, a photography business and I'm looking to get more clients through the door and so on. And I can understand having a strategy. Yeah. But when you're like, you have to have a strategy for posting pictures of your cat or pictures of your dinner. I think we're in like scary times where you're letting validation kind of run your existence. But then I think on the flip side of that, that some people will take, you know, especially with people who have different modeling names and stuff like that, they see that as their brand. And if that's all they're doing, they're using that as a vehicle to sell themselves because the more popular they look, the more interesting their stuff is, the more likes they get, the more followers they get. It's still perceived that that makes you more desirable as a model, as someone to shoot with because... You know, even someone who's very new might go, oh, well, this person's got 100,000 followers. If I work with them and they credit me, then I might get loads of traction to to my Instagram. It's it's, It's one of the places where I don't think men and women are equal. No. In the, when I have a conversation, there's a, there's a guy I know very well, very good friends. He's a very nice guy, but he talks about, oh, I'll go and work with this person because they have a large following. Yeah. And I've got to be honest with you. I think a lot less of a guy that talks like that mm. because what are you doing? Like if you take uh, the average Instagram models following and you break it down into subsections, like loose subsections, yep. you've got bots, lurkers, yep. people that hate them, yep. perverts, yep. supporters. Supporters is probably the third or fourth group yep. really. Yeah. It's not the biggest group. Mm-hmm. and. The other side of it, and you'll know more about this than me, and I have a theory and I'm absolutely fine with being wrong, but I'm not. <laughs> it's like when you ask me who's my favourite person to work with you, you mean me. I need to just say that you're my favourite person to work with. Yeah. I, you know, I'd say quickly, I'm going to say something very nice. I have absolutely missed the fact that you're not modelling anymore. You're one of the people <laughs> I absolutely loved working with and it has been horrible. And we haven't spoken much either since, no. which has been horrible. I actually didn't yeah. know if you'd even replied to me. About doing wow, this. I'm here. You so. are a bit of a nice queen. Um, <gasps> <laughs> Look, I'm here, so I'm not that bad, am I? It's true. It's true. <laughs> you had nothing else going on today. So <laughs> so here's, here's my little weird theory idea. that There's a lot of parallels between social media, like gratification, and mm-hmm. drugs. There's a lot of, in the behavior of people that are on them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I don't, think is true i think is a myth is that there is the money in it that there is claimed to be the money in in terms of if you're an instagram model and you're doing you're doing posts for not big brands i mean coming out of someone's garage kind of brands you're not earning much money no so the idea that posting a couple of promo codes for 10 percent off a product no one's ever heard of in exchange for showing your ass or showing your cleavage or pretending that a product has changed your life Mm -hmm. because you got emailed two days ago about taking a picture about it. Mm -hmm. The money's not there. And I think that to try and keep up the appearance that the money's there, people get themselves in more and more trouble. They'll go to more and more lavish extent to say that something is paying them a lot of money or is making them successful. And it's not. 
Mm. Am I in the ballpark? I think it depends. I think it depends. There is a lot of money in influencer marketing, but influencer marketing done right. The ones that you're talking about are usually commission based. So it will be a certain amount of money you get back off X amount of people using a promo code. Um, But it's like, 1p or something so you're right there's no money in that um it kind of reminds me of the old school record contracts like back in the (laughs) 70s and 80s or no probably going more towards the 90s where you would earn like one one penny for every 150 quid Mm. or maybe even more than 150 quid you'd be earning next to nothing and if you sell you know it used to be like back in the mtv cribs kind of days and (laughs) when when music was a big thing on actual music television that the the posturing with the money that they had was was nonsense because the record company held all their money mm. and it was only when like Napster and that came around that it started to sort of um democratize where the money was going and that's why record labels kind of fell by the wayside but i feel like there are i know i can i could reel off 20 names off the top of my head i won't because i'll get instant problems from doing that <laughs> but there are people that just pretend that they are living this extravagantly amazing lifestyle mm-hmm. off of this influencer money yeah for products no one's ever heard of that no one wants and it's just nonsense it's really transparent and i feel like to try and keep up the appearances to try and keep up the appearances of being that successful they they spend their own money or they spend more of their life focused on it and Mm -hmm. it it becomes a spiral in the same way that drug use is Mm -hmm. oh it's not a problem and then use more and it becomes more of a problem and it spirals Mm -hmm. i really feel like there's a parallel there is it not is it not dangerous to be giving i mean there's now apparently like where there are girls coming out of school saying oh i want to grow up and be a instagram model i want to be an influencer yeah which i don't believe is a real word (laughs) influencer is not a real word (laughs) influenza is the word i think they're thinking of um yeah and i think you know what there are some people that do make a living of it they're celebrities because you know they've got ambassador deals with big global brands that are paying them that kind of money so then they can go off and travel the world blah 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 and that's fine. There will always be people like that because these platforms exist. And, and I think what you're what you're saying is the problem is when that trickles down into the smaller scale. Exactly. But everyone's pretending they are the that bigger. celebrity level. Yeah. But they're not. It, and I'm. I guess from my perspective as well, I am. I'm finding it hard. Like it's very much a look how great my life is platform. When actually none of that's real, and most yeah. of it's staged and. You know, actually, that's not that's not your life, and no. that's not actually what you're doing every day. You're going and buying a load of clothes from ASOS, doing a shoot, taking them all back because you can't actually afford to buy them all anyway. And uh, you know, it, it's it's it is a bit fake. Um, yeah, the modelling world's already fake. Like yeah. the photographic model. I'm not just yeah. picking on models. The the photography side of things really fake as well. It makes me. Uh, it's actually really fun. It's one of those fun things when you see photographers that are talking about like, oh, I've got space to be booked in here, there and everywhere. Um, And like, it's this much an hour and stuff. And you're looking at their work and you're like, who's, who's paying that? Because I feel like the market you're going for is men want to see it and women don't really want to be part of it. Yeah. So I don't know how many women are paying to be part of that or 
a, a woman now with a mobile phone can take a few selfies and make the same impression online as what mm-hmm. they can do from paying you. Yeah. So why would they pay you? I think that's people chancing their arm, to be honest with you. I've- I think it's chancing their arm until a point where it becomes a regular thing where they're posting constantly about how they're busy. <laughs> Or, they have or, to do that, don't they? Or otherwise no one will ever even look at them. Because if you're not like, oh yeah. my God, look how busy I am. This is what I mean. Everyone's like, look how busy I am. Look at this, what I'm doing. This, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. That's literally what my social media is It's Rihanna days. syndrome. Rihanna yeah. a few years ago released like five albums in two years. It's something <laughs> ridiculous. And it was just like, can you just fuck off for a bit? <laughs> just piss off for a little while and we'll come back to liking you. But like just... Back off. It's weird. <laughs> Just go on holiday. Yeah. And it's overexposure. But people don't know about overexposure because they think that everyone's waiting to see what their next move yeah. is. My, um, I think it was my dad always used to have a phrase about um, selfish people think that the world stops spinning when they close their eyes. And I think there's a lot of people on social media that are like that. Yeah. I think or at least they come across like that because they're scared that if they don't do that, then everyone forgets who they are. Yeah. Which you can't really be someone if someone can forget about you that quickly. Yeah. This is depressing. I know. This has taken a very No, that's all right. Negative well, I'll, turn. I'll do a really I'll do a really smooth transition and no one will notice. <laughs> um so as far as looking back on modelling, yeah. what what are the things that you're like most proud of that you did? Like is there any shoots that particularly stand out, any images that really stand out that you look back on you're really happy with? Any experiences? Yeah. Um, did you enjoy anything, Charlotte? I did. Um, <laughs> I really did. I know I've... Oh, God, I No, you've been fine. A... It's literally the last five minutes I've completely derailed this I by know. being negative. It's all oh. my fault. So, yeah, we'll have I to know. have a row about it. No, it's no. fine. Um, no, there was stuff that I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, and I, I think there's just a thing where it's easy to talk about the negative stuff because that's the stuff that sticks in your head. But and it's more fun. And it's more fun, maybe, if people are still listening at this point. <laughs> That's on the assumption they were listening to begin with. <laughs> um, but yeah, that you know, there are some really great people out there who are really good at what they do and you can create some really great stuff. And there's there's so many shoots that I'll remember for that. Um, and it's, it's why I kind of got into it in the first place. Um, so I am I am thankful for that, but you know it is it isn't one of those things that lasts forever anyway. No. Um, and I I just took my time to get out of it when I didn't like it, and I I, I do think that people stick in it for the wrong reasons. Um, and if you don't like it, just don't do it anymore. Well, you um, said on your your website, I was reading, um, you're saying about moving on from a job quite quickly. Yeah. That you kind of got there, realised it wasn't for you and moved on. Yeah. And you said that like your mantra is, well, if, you know, if you're not happy, then change something. Yeah. And that's obviously like, yeah. actually true. Like, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, I have this principle <laughs> and then they never act on it. But you obviously. Yeah. And it sounds so corny, doesn't it? And it's like, oh, if you don't like something, change. But so many people, I think, just get kind of stuck in a habit or stuck in their ways, but they're really bloody miserable. Mm. And Actually, you can, you know what I mean? You can, you can do whatever you want. If you're not happy in something, just change it. Do something else. The best time ever to be alive, really, because you can, you can just change and focus your attention somewhere else and learn a new skill really quickly exactly. for free yeah. on like YouTube or whatever, or go to a college or do whatever. Yeah. There's all these options available. People have never yeah. been freer in this country. And 
and it's never been a better time to do that stuff. So no, have you not had any days at all since you stopped where you were like, eh, I could still I do miss back. it. And I, you know, sometimes you kind of, something will pop up or like, I don't know, someone will, might like an old modelling image and they kind of crop back up sometimes and I'm like, oh, that was a nice day. If we could do something like that again, but I, I think that's usually all it is. And then I... And then I kind of remember, like, actually, it's it's not just taking the image. It's all the prep. It's all the legwork. If I tried to get back in it now, I'd have to start again, basically, from scratch. Yeah. Um, so, it's it, you know, it, it's not as simple as, oh, I'll just, I'll just get back into it or anything like that. But, you know, sometimes it's with everything, isn't it, that you do? Like, sometimes you're like, oh, that was nice. Maybe I could do that again. But... You know. I think when you're telling stories, I don't mean you, I mean the royal you. <laughs> I think when people are telling stories, you focus on negatives because negatives are funnier. Generally yeah. speaking, they're more interesting or they're funnier. Yeah. But when you remember, you remember more of the, the good stuff. Yeah. Just by comparison. Yeah. And I look back on like jobs I've had in the past or just experiences I've had in the past and I'm like, oh yeah, that was amazing. And then you have that sort of little moment of clarity a bit later on. You're like, no, it wasn't. That's the reason I'm not there anymore. Like, I can think of 20 reasons why that sucks. Like, but it's just weird how people, like, when, you, when you're projecting something, you try and find, or at least I definitely do, try and find the funny negative way in. Yeah. Um, when people ask about my job, I'm always trying to find, like, the funny negative way in. Rather, if I, so if I talk about wedding photography, if I have a conversation with anybody and I start talking about, like, how amazing it is to capture moments for a family, I can just see eyes glaze over. Right. But if I go, well, there was this one time, as soon as I start talking like that, people go, what did she do? Do you know what I mean? So to come at things from the negative, it's not necessarily that it was an, always a negative experience, no. but like it wasn't always a positive one either. No. And I don't think there's anything in life that is 100% positive. No. But yeah, I, th I think it's more like if the love goes, then there's no point, is there really? Yes. Like you're just, you're just literally doing it for the sake of it. And then... Yeah. It's another reason we're so similar. So my my deciding to be a photographer full time was uh I actually remember really clearly the whole evening what happened. So I was um working as a manager for a supermarket, which was hell, because it was a stopgap job that I stayed in for too long. And uh weekends I was a wedding photographer and doing all other stuff as well, teaching workshops and whatnot. And got to the evening and I'd had a really horrible week. Uh, not long since almost got murdered at my job by a crackhead with a needle. Jeez. It was a bad day. Um, see, bad stories always funny to look back on. <laughs> you're laughing at me almost getting murdered. And um, you're a terrible person, Charlotte. So uh, I've done like, I don't know, 10 days straight of either doing my day job or working as a photographer. And I'm watching a random YouTube video while I'm tidying up my office. My office, which was the cupboard my wife let me use at the time. <laughs> And um, I was watching a video about a kid that went to Boston College to play ice hockey. And he was going to be this big, next big thing and whole life ahead of him and so on. And his first step on the ice, essentially, his first shift, which is your first time out in his first game at Boston College, I'm pretty sure it was Boston College, um, he was skating in, completely freak incident, tripped, hit the boards head first and was paralyzed from the neck down Jeez. has been since. So his whole career disappeared in just like an instant. Mm. And with the incident I'd had with 
my other job and the fact that when I was 19, I had a heart attack and, you know, life just throws stuff at you. Hmm. I just decided, why am I spending any amount of the time I've got left being pissed off, bored and miserable Yeah. when I could just, there's a thing right there that I want to do. I could just go and do it. Hmm. And I remember waking Jamila up and Jamila, you know Jamila well. <laughs> she's lovely. <laughs> But if you wake her up when she's <laughs> when she's in a deep sleep, the first stage is pure panic. She assumes something's exploded or someone's died. That's the only reason you'd wake her up. And then she goes into like this tired rage. <laughs> but she was very sweet after she calmed down and stopped hitting me. She was very sweet. And she she actually was like, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, then we're going to make it happen. And, and, you know, you get better from then on. You feel yeah. like everything moves forward. And the last thing I want to ask you... And um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm going to ask you. The last thing I want to ask you is when you look back at your time as a model, do you feel, <clears throat> do you feel like the modeling community was supportive or kind of malicious based on your time? I'm not saying you can speak for everyone else, but just based Ooh. on your time. Um, My time... You're looking at me like you're quite annoyed for me asking yeah, that question. Yeah, no, I'm not. It's, more, it's a really hard question. Um, oh, I hate to say it, but I think it was more nasty, to mm. be honest. Um, I think there's this men mentality. Again, it kind of comes back to what we're talking about online. Like, people are so different. Um, you know, models kind of start seeing it as like you're fighting with everyone for work when actually... There's space for everyone. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, there is some of that. But there are some, as I said, like, you know, I think photographers, if they get what you want to do and get what you're about and, you know, it doesn't have to be that they want to work with you, but at least they understand, they're more supportive than fellow models. Um, I think the only caveat to that is, as I said, kind of it shows it's quite different because you're, slung in a room with a bunch of strangers and usually you've all, you've you get all got on. a job at that point exactly yeah. and no one's out to kind of fight each other for work because we're all there working anyway yeah um and yeah I've, I've met some really lovely people from like you know like being on a shoot with people or being at a show but yeah uh, online it's, it's just not it's just not good no and that's the problem i think the whole community exists online more than it does in the real world yeah okay uh, so where can people find your writing and photoing and other stuff? <laughs> um, so my website is my name. So that's really easy. So charlottenorris.com. Lovely. And Instagram? Uh, is Charlotte Writes. Charlotte Writes. Yeah. As in W. With a W. Lovely. Yes. For those of us that can spell. <laughs> I, I, I want to say honestly, I, I really appreciate you coming and doing this. <laughs> no I worries. really, really do. I was... I was <laughs> I was so expecting either no response or a no when I asked you if you wanted to do this. And you, you are so kind to come down and do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's all right. Love you. <laughs>